Welcome to the Modern Rustic. I'm Russell. I'm Zach. I'm Mike. We are a community-based podcast from the heart of the Fraser Valley, where we have classic conversations about our current culture and the impact we have on it. I, th- I was a little worried that Kurt was a l- like, he was a little soft-spoken, but did it seem like it to you? I mean, he was soft-spoken, but I don't think that it was bad. No. As long as it shows up, right? What did you guys end up like, talking about? I mean, I mean, I obviously, I'm sure it went all over the place, but yeah, well, uh, it, it actually, really, it I was mean, pretty focused. Like, mm. he, he talked about teaching for a long time. He talked about, um, we talked about politics for a good amount at the end. Actually. Yeah, it was, it was, great. it was a great discussion on that. Fantastic discussion with Kurt Purdy. <clears throat> yeah, it was, it was politics a good and yeah. just his love of, his love of teaching is what really got me. Yeah. His love of teaching is what really got me. I just, you know, he said it himself, right? Some teachers, you know, oh, I'm, you know, you're in it for the money. Well, you're not in it for the money because no teacher gets paid that yeah. well. But in it for like the power fantasy of yeah. it kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. It was it was nice to hear that uh, theory confirmed in my head. <laughs> <laughs> I always had a suspicion that some teachers just kind of liked the control that came with the job. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. You just yeah, like I I've, I've talked to teachers and they say yeah. I'm a teacher because I like the feeling of controlling a room full of people. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah, it's crazy. I think that's true with a lot of, um, like, college and university professors. Because mm. they, cause they, they command a room of adults mm-hmm. in a more kind of enforceful way than high yeah. school. It's a little, it's yeah. a little different. Yeah. But, yeah. I don't know. It was, it, was, it was powerful stuff. It was really powerful. I appreciate him coming on. The other thing that I liked was... Um, he he uh, proved one of my other theories wrong, which is that teachers are just people that loved school so much that they needed to go back. Because he said that he hated school. And yeah. he, he didn't even go to university to become a teacher until his 30s, right? Is that what he said? Yeah, that's it what was, he said. It was something 30s. like that, yeah. Yeah, he um, yeah, he was... I don't remember how old he was, How what he said, but... Um, it was later in life. It was later in life. He had worked for 10 years. It was in his, yeah, early 30s. Uh, yeah, because he said he was just a terrible student. He, he, um, he went home from school early every day. Yeah, is what he said. Yeah, he just expected. He was just a yeah. It was interesting. Yeah, yeah, it was cool. You know the it's the Einstein theory proven right, right? You if you're terrible at school, you'll probably do something amazing in life. Yeah, that probably doesn't apply to everyone. Yeah, hopefully but, something uh, amazing is coming for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for yeah. sure. This is amazing right here. Yeah, yeah should I, we introduce our guest for the week? Shout out to Kurt before we move on. Sorry I wasn't here last time, Kurt. I, I've heard good things. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was definitely our... Uh, our. I was I was enthralled by his speaking. Yeah. Yeah. That was great. Anyways, glad to have you back, Mike. Yeah. Good to be back. Yeah. Mike's been gone for too long. Yeah. There's been an absence in the room. It feels different. Yeah. yeah. I don't think anybody noticed. Hey. Oh, we noticed. We noticed. Yeah. Brought it up every week. It's true. Yeah. Irregardless. What's new, Mike? Uh, I'm back. I'm not sick. That's a good one. Yeah. Hey, that's helpful. That's helpful. It's great news. Yep. Yeah. What's Being the worst sucks. thing about being sick? Just in general. Is it... Uh, you can't do anything about it. Yeah. That's got to be it. You yeah. know? Or there's so little you can do about it if if, there's, if you can, like, take, so, something, take something for it. It's so... Del- not What's the... Not dilapidating. What's the... Debilitating. Debilitating. I was like, dilapidating? That's not it. Debilitating. <laughs> you feel dilapidated. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so true. So true. 
Ah. What's the best thing about being sick? The sleep. Yeah. Sleep pretty hard. An excuse to sleep. Yeah. It's also also a good excuse to drink more whiskey than you should. (laughs) And uh, just, you know, you have an excuse not to do anything. And although that's almost the worst part, too. It's like, ah, you feel like you should be doing stuff, but you're like, you try and get up and you're like, eh, it's not going to happen. I can't move my legs. If you can't move your legs, folks, you should probably actually go to the hospital. Actually, one of the best things was uh, uh, my mom was really nice and and called me when I was sick and said, if I needed anything, let her know. So I called her the very next day. was like, I want soup. (laughs) And she made me soup in 12 hours and a bunch of other stuff and delivered it, and it was great. That's sweet. Did she make the soup over 12 hours, or was it like a 12-hour cook? No, she she's like I'll get it I'll get it to you in a day or two, and she was literally calling me the next the next morning around mm. noon and be like, hey, I got your soup, I'm coming over. I'm like, oh, awesome. Soup is the best thing when you're sick. Yeah, it just hits different, you know, you know whether it's chicken noodle or cream of broccoli or what are the other soups out there? There's if we list all the soups, we'll be here all night. Well, yeah, but the soup all the soups you can think of. I like a good stew. <laughs> Stews are amazing. Stews, stews great. Ah, yeah, but is it? That's not a soup, though. No, but, but just, it's God, it's good nonetheless. Yeah. My mother makes this phenomenal stew, and it's just potatoes and carrots and uh, some meats, and uh, just whip it up. Yeah, some throw some brandy in there. Brandy? Mm-hmm. Is that what you put in stew? Yeah, my parents make it with brandy sometimes. Uh, Folks, if delicious. you have a great stew recipe or soup recipe that you want to share with the world. You can email us the recipe at themodernrusticpodcast at gmail.com or send it to us via Instagram or YouTube. And we will probably read it out on the show because uh, we have gotten very little listener emails so far. So we're, we're itching for it. Let's go. Anyways. Let's go indeed. Let's go indeed. Okay. What, what do you guys think about chili? <laughs> beans or no beans? Well, that's what I'm saying. Is that the debate you're bringing I, up? I, yeah, a little yeah. bit. Like, Because, like, I think... It should have some sort of bean in it. But why? Because because then it's you're, it's really just a a stew. If it, if you don't have beans in well, it, well, because in the South, like in the Southern United States, don't they consider chili just meat in like a tomato sauce, or is there vegetables in it as well? There's there's always, there's usually at least some sort of vegetable, whether it's potato oh, okay. or or carrot or something. Because usually it's potato because potato when you're cooking it and stuff like that will absorb salt. Yeah. Mm. So if, you, if your if your meats are too salty, you throw potatoes in it. It'll yeah. Fix it. Yeah. Because I just think like when I think that kind of chili, where it's like just the 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 meat and the tomato sauce, that to me sounds more like a topping for something else yeah. than it does a meal on its own. I wouldn't just eat a bowl of meat and tomato sauce. Yeah, I wouldn't. But, eat, I wouldn't either. Like chili with like you know the beans, the meat still, of course, of course. Yeah. And the vegetables. That's that's a meal. You got a whole meal in front of you. Yeah, the tomato sauce and meat. Put that on rice, and I'd, I'd be set. Yeah, or a hot dog. Yeah, cheese fries. Hot dog sounds good. Come on, I'm all in favor of that. So you think be- beans is the deciding factor, mm. or at least a, cu- a couple vegetables of some sort? No, because what's the difference between chili and sloppy joes? Beans. Well, it's just a bolognese, which is just tomato and bowl of ground ground meat. A bolognese sauce. That's what like the meat, the meat, meat sauce. sauce. Meat sauce. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But do you put noodles in your sloppy joes? In a sloppy joe, no. Mm. 
Do you? Yeah. That's just like <laughs> a runny lasagna. No, but like just, just little stringy noodles in there. Spaghetti? No, different than a spaghetti. Well, maybe it is a spaghetti noodle. Is it just thin and long? I, yeah, I guess that is a spaghetti yeah, noodle. Spaghetti noodle then. So you're making spaghetti sandwich. That's not a slop, uh, sloppy joe. That's but just, it's sloppy that's, that's, joe. That's just spaghetti on a bun. That's a spaghetti sandwich. <laughs> but it's more slop than spaghetti. It's just That's just a lot of sauce then. Mm, maybe. I don't know. I really don't know. Think, okay, think about it like this. If you took away the bun... Okay. And you added a cup of water, and you, you basically soup. have soup. Yeah. So that's why I don't think it's... No. I don't... Yeah, chili. Interesting. Uh, it's an interesting concept. But I think that chili has to be spicy in, for, in order for it to be chili. Well, the best chili is always spicy. The best chili is always spicy. I don't know if it has to be. I guess... I guess it does come down to the beans, because the difference between a chili and a sloppy joe and a... What was the other thing we said? And a meat sauce, a bowling gaze. <laughs> that was my favorite punk band in the early 2000s. <laughs> uh, that's actually not a bad band name. That's a terrible band name. It's a terrible, it's a terrible band name. <laughs> okay. All right. We'll work on it. <laughs> no. Do you ever want... Yeah, we don't have to. <laughs> do you ever see stuff that's like... That you see like the G... In, in French, in the language... The French language, G's are always silent it's so annoying like there's a place nearby and it's colony creek but it's c-o-l-i-g-n-y caligny creek caligny that's like, how I read it. why can't i say the caligny but it's colony like champagne should be champagne <laughs> champagne champagne yeah i guess yeah welcome Champag- to the modern wrestler podcast where we uh, correct people's pronunciation <laughs> on their own language. <laughs> no, I mean, French is a really Why isn't language. it lasagna? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Italians. You make good food, but you pronounce your words wrong. It's so white of us. <laughs> Crawler. Cr- <laughs> oh, man. Koozie. That. that is it, is it koozie or cozy? No, I, we, we, we determined. I had this argument with Brittany a couple times. We determined that koozie is a brand that makes cozies. Oh, <laughs> so, pe- so people equate one with the other. Okay, because like they, they like saying koozie. Yeah, like Kleenex or like Kleenex and yeah. tissues. And they yeah. like saying koozie more than saying cozy. There's a word for that. I can't remember what it is. But there, where there's where a the brand name becomes like Synonymous. just the generic name for that kind yeah. of brand. Yeah, that. To me, that is an incredible power. Yeah. That just is a beautiful example of just corporate power, <laughs> right? To the fact that we sell a product and our product is the name that you call your product. Yeah. Like it just, the oh. product becomes so ubiquitous that it becomes the thing. Right? Well, you know you've made it when... You yeah, know you've made yeah. it when, when, yeah. When your product is what all that product is called. Yeah. yeah. Like you could buy a knockoff brand tissue you're still going to call it a Kleenex, which is so yeah. powerful, right? And they call it, you know, like like uh, like soda too, right? Uh, you know, a lot of places in the world, it's just Coke, right? Well, because Coke is everywhere. Yes. That's, that, that's but like life. other sodas are called Coke in other places. Well, yeah, yeah, like well, some, some places refer to soda as Coke. Yeah. Well, yeah. they also call it cola. Oh, yeah, cola, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that as well. So like, hey, I'm getting a cola. Well, that's... 
Yeah. It's not cola. It's just Sprite. Yeah, that's also, yeah, but like Coke specifically is like in every country yeah. And, yeah. and is heavily advertised. Mm-hmm. And I believe they get specific deals with countries to only oh, yeah. be the yeah. only provider. Yeah, yeah we talk... We've talked about, we I think we did talk about three this. of us. Yeah, we've talked we about might have this. talked about that before. Yeah, yeah, we've talked about Coke in the past. Welcome to the Modern Rustic Podcast. Oh, when I brought Coke to the podcast. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Check out episode twenty th- twenty-two. I haven't come up with a name for it yet. Um, Didn't you? Isn't it already up? It's not out yet. Oh, I thought it was. Uh, irregardless, <clears throat> you know what's really cool though? Tell me what's really cool. We think that like Coke is so powerful, and it's like the the big it's one of the big companies which it is but i still remember when uh who's that big famous soccer player ronaldo cristiano ronaldo it's either him or the other one beckham no not beckham beckham ronaldo (laughs) (laughs) no because what's what's the competition it's ronaldo versus the other guy for who's the best guy i couldn't tell you Folks, if you know, email us at the Modern Rustic Podcast. This is a this is a great editing moment where you can look it up and we'll have the answer. You think so? Yeah. Well, absolutely. I can look it up. You keep talking. Okay. So, anyways, it doesn't matter who it was. It was a soccer player. I'm not a big soccer player, guys. Sorry, I apologize. Uh, I know very little. I watched um, the playoffs like ten years ago. Is it playoffs soccer? World Cup. World Cup. World, is it World? Cup. Okay. Yeah. Whenever, whenever the Netherlands is big in there, I usually pay attention, but. Doesn't matter. Anyways, so that guy, probably Ronaldo. Lionel Messi. Messi. He's great too, I think. Anyways, go sports. So, Messi and or Ronaldo was doing an interview. And then somebody brought him a Coke during the interview. And it was all taped. And he's like, and then he's like, no, 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 I don't want the Coke. Just bring me water. And then he said into the mic, he's like, folks, just drink water. And Coke stock dropped millions millions that same day yeah it's so cool that's you know the the idea that one guy saying hey drink water don't drink coke he didn't even say don't drink coke he's just like no i drink i just drink water yeah that's crazy and coke had to come out with a statement saying hey guys just letting you know you know some people like water some people like coke and you can just drink whatever you want and be happy I don't, I'm paraphrasing, but it's like, hey, we got to like, you know, cushion this with damage control. Hey, Coke's not so bad for you. Yeah, but like, I mean, the countries that are so into soccer, which is mostly like South Mm -hmm. America and and a lot of Europe, obviously, but South South America, especially, I think probably more so, are huge markets for Coke. Exactly. Yeah. So they, yeah, they'd have to. No, I get it. Coke did all, did what they were, what they should have done. But I'm just saying that it's so cool. Just the idea that one guy can be like, you know what, don't drink Coke. And then Coke stock drops. But not even saying don't drink Coke. Yeah, he's just like, just drink water. Yeah. He's saying meet one of your basic needs as a human being. Yeah. 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 And a company becomes less valuable for it. That was uh, last year sometime. But watch next year, he'll be on the field with a Coke uh, advertised on his drink. Better yet, Pepsi. Oh. That's that's dangerous. He's going to get mugged for that one. (laughs) I don't know if he's even. You won't. You won't see him the year after. <laughs> Things are going to get gonna, a little it's, messy. It's going to disappear. Oh no! No, didn't like that one. <laughs> I couldn't. That's there's right. no joke to be made with Ronaldo. So things are going to get Ronaldo. Things are going to get. 
<laughs> Everything's coming up Ronaldo. <laughs> Do people say that? I, I want know. them to. Anyways, folks, if you hadn't noticed, welcome back. <laughs> this is like the fifth time that we've said that now. This episode's going wild. Anyways, Zach. Hey. Welcome back, Zach. Hey, thanks. <laughs> Been gone for a week. Uh, okay. Zach, there's something that you wanted to talk about. Yeah. And it, uh, it's it been weighing heavy on me all day. I'm glad. And uh, I think that we should really address it with the uh, reverence that it deserves. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. I brought this up to you last night. Uh, it's actually a conversation that I had with a, uh, a friend of mine from work who I uh, actually want to see if we can get on the podcast because he's a really interesting guy. Let's do it. Uh, he's from the UK. Um, oh, interesting. Sorry, I, I don't want to... No, go ahead. You, but it's so interesting that as North Americans... As soon as you start talking to somebody with an accent, yeah. you instantly think they're more intelligent. Yeah, it's so cool. And he's got like a very, a very distinct accent. He's he's really funny. He's he's a good guy. I, I'd like to have him on. But let's uh, do it. Uh, we actually also have uh, somebody from the Ukraine that just started working. with Ukraine? Us. Yeah. Oh, good. Like a, like a refugee. I, I don't know if he's specifically classified as a refugee, but he left because of what's going on very there right recently. now. Very yeah. recently. Yeah. There is a war. Yeah. Yeah. So shout uh, out to them. They need it. Yeah, anyways, uh, I was Welcome. talking to uh, <laughs> this guy from the UK uh, about uh, the lottery. Mm. Um, we were talking about uh, scratch tickets. One of the other guys that was in the conversation, he was saying that um, he used to travel around the province a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, he was working in construction or something all around the province and would buy scratch tickets everywhere he would go. Uh, and he noticed that he would uh, win less in poorer towns like just statistically anecdotally he would win less in poorer towns what is that like poorer towns like smaller towns no not necessarily smaller towns but towns like that have like a lower like uh, average income okay like he's uh specifically i mean i'm not trying to throw shade in case we have any fans there but he pointed specifically to prince george (laughs) Hmm. Which is kind of known for having, like, you know, a lower median income per household. Okay. And he said, uh, yeah, it was like as soon as he'd get up there, like, the, the winnings would get kind of less and less. Um, and that could just be luck, right? It could just be luck. But, I mean, also, they can kind of game the system a little bit. Okay. You know, they, they know which tickets are going to win. They can send them out. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, I imagine that... For a business like Scratch Lottery, they probably have, like, lots and how many wins of a certain value are each lot. Yeah. And smaller, less financially stable communities probably get fewer, so there's fewer to go around. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah. I uh, I, I say that to kind of say what I was once told about the lottery. I can't remember if I heard it on a podcast or a real human being said it to me, but that the lottery is a tax on the dreams of poor people because essentially like rich people don't play the lottery people that have you know they make six figures a year millions a year even they don't play the lottery the people that play the lottery are the people that need the money the people that are living off of that dream of oh well i can spend a dollar here and maybe it'll turn into 50,000 which statistically the lottery is one of the worst investments you can possibly make oh yeah it's a horrible thing to do with your money but for people who are struggling financially that dream is what's keeping the lottery alive so i wanted to talk about the lottery because 
I think it's a really horrible thing that we do. And especially in our part of the world, how we do it is really corrupt and awful. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, my friend from the UK, he was telling me, and I didn't know this, um, in the UK, their lottery, all lottery tickets are loaded into uh, like a master database. They all have to go through this database that's uh, publicly accessible. So you can go into, there's like an app you can get, there's a website you can go to, and you can see how many winning tickets there are of any specific scratcher or lottery ticket or anything like that. Whereas here, you know, you could be going to the gas station and buying a scratcher, but across the province or across the country, there are no winning tickets left. Mm. And you don't know. Hmm. Yeah. So in the UK, you're definitely statistically more likely to win. Because, you know, it's highly unlikely that the the last ticket sold is going to be one of the winning tickets. That makes so much sense seeing how the UK are the first ones to outlaw loot boxes. Because that all ties to gambling, which is is, uh, the UK and Europe's stance on gambling is like basically zero tolerance for shady dealings and yeah in that. they're very strict on it and like because it's it's a business model that's built it, it glorifies corruption like mm-hmm. yeah it's it's built in such a way that corruption makes the business model work better so yeah i i would like to see more laws put in place in canada in north america like anywhere anywhere yeah. in the world to protect people from this predatory business hmm. what is a predatory business in my opinion yeah in essence i mean the idea of gambling the idea of the lottery the idea of in putting money into something with a very 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 low chance of ever getting anything out of it is it is predatory in nature but that's just the idea of it right you you know, we're not talking about the the fun lottery tickets you buy as like Christmas gifts and yeah, and oh, I got you a scratcher and or then we're not talking about you know like uh, what are the things you get at uh, at bars? Pull tabs. Pull tabs. Yeah. Pull tabs. Well, we kind of are because you're saying that you could see in the database from scratch from scratchers from scratchers. Yeah. What's left to be a, a valuable win? Yeah. Yeah, I I think that fundamentally I'm against scratchers i don't know if i feel the way about something like pull tabs like as i'm talking about it because like i'm not against gambling at all like Hmm. completely by any means i think you know like if you're at a bar and they have a pull tab machine i'm probably going to go get a couple pull tabs and you know give them to the people that i'm hanging out with because it's kind of fun you know it's a nice activity yeah yeah Yeah. but i mean like i don't know i i just and you know i'm getting on my soapbox here bring it but uh we live in a capitalistic society mm-hmm. and we vote with our money our money speaks to what we justify as good i agree we support the businesses that we want to see succeed in a very direct way because of how our whole system works so when you go out and you buy a lottery ticket you're saying, I'm okay with the way this system currently functions. So I won't buy a scratcher. Ever. Because fundamentally. I, fundamentally. Because I think that the way the system works is corrupt and predatory. Hmm. But, but still, still buying those pull tabs are still from BC Lottery, though, I imagine, right? Like, yeah. they, they run all of it, right? I so, think so. You're so not, so yeah. they're still getting your money 
regardless. Also, you know, last time I bought a pull tab was, you know, two years ago. Yeah. And before that, probably five before yeah. that. Like, yeah, not it, it's worried. not a common occurrence. Yeah, I guess yeah. I guess what you're trying to really get to is... <clears throat> there's a couple different ways we can approach this, right? One is, you know, how far do you stand on your morals? Like, hey, you should not buy lotto tickets ever, right? You know, like, okay, well, we're hanging out, we're having a good time, maybe I'll buy some pull tabs, you know, whatever, right? When is it, you know, should you always be cut and dry? I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. For something like lotto tickets, maybe, maybe not. I guess it just depends what you believe in and how, because I fully agree with you in that how you, where you put your money changes things, yeah. right? If everybody decided we're not buying lotto tickets anymore, yeah, we wouldn't have a lottery anymore. I think people, well, at least North America anyway, is it's, it's fed into so much because people don't really know the odds. And the yes. thing about like the way that Europe does, which which goes to like the the loot box thing, because that's at least the aspect of it that I've heard more about more recently, because that's that's kind of been in the news more. With it was a big topic yeah. a couple of years yeah, yeah, ago. Yeah. Well, even with like like Diablo Immortal literally just came out last oh, week. Oh yeah, and, and that's 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 free, but it has like microtransactions, and I believe in the first three days, like it was banned from being released in the UK because there were predatory things in it that weren't, that didn't meet their standards because they have to have, you have to be able to show the chances of actually winning. It can't just be like, oh, open this loot box and you can get an an epic or or, or whatever. Yeah. There's limited You have to show the percentage. You have to show the percentage and it has to be accurate. Mm. Yeah. So that's, that but those are different rules for just video games. But, no, that that falls under that falls under under their their, their gambling um, legislation. Okay, for for anything because it would be the same thing on their website or app or wherever it is. I was looking at the website actually, um, and yeah, you can just go through and it'll show you the percentage of chance you have of winning based on how many prizes have been redeemed and how many tickets are currently out there. Yeah, they mm. they have to show you your I actual like odds of winning. I really like that. That. I mean that'll probably never happen here. Yeah, it won't happen in the next ten years anyway. And and I mean I don't even know that implementing a system like that here would help because the people that buy scratchers are just in the habit of doing it and knowing the odds. Like they already know the odds. I think That's it, the I thing. think it, I think it would, it would it would it would shake up lottery a lot yeah. if that mm-hmm. if that happens. You think so? I think it would. Yeah. I think a lot of people that would see their odds are so bad and would gravitate towards. You know, other forms of gambling that aren't lottery or or whatever. Yeah. If they, if they, if they still want to have that feeling of of, of the gambling feeling. Yeah. But it, it they'd have to shake up the lottery because they have to be transparent with the tickets they sell. Yeah. The odds of your winning, which means uh, if less people are playing, the only, the only way they're going to attract people is if they're going to have more winners. Yeah. It, you, even if the prizes are less, just having more winners in general, which will. Yeah. Try and drop people back, which will which would just change the way lottery works yeah. in North America. But But and I mean the thing about it is like a system like that would probably like I mean something would have to happen. People would have to mobilize. I mean it's like it's like uh, Kurt was talking about last week. Like we would have to have the will. Like we already know mm-hmm. that this is like a bad thing that's happening. Uh it's I mean not obviously at the top of the priorities. There are bigger issues in our country that need solved first, uh. but Maybe. Um, this is something that, like, there would have to be a big stink for it to change because mm-hmm. the business model is uh, 
designed in such a way that like it's budgeted for this amount of people to lose and this amount of people to win. Right. Like in a batch of 10,000 scratchers, 50 of them are winners. So we know that we're going to make, you know, X times 10,000 and then we can give away this amount. Yeah. Like their whole revenue system is built around this many people losing. Yeah. We're going to make this much profit even if we get a max winner. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas if you implement something where, you know, people can see, oh, all these prizes have won, have been won, so I'm not going to buy this scratcher anymore, then you, that's all lost revenue. And there's no telling how fast that's going to happen. Okay. But let me. Let me break that down, though, because if you implement a system where you know uh, you know what the chances are and if how many have won, isn't that going to create like a similar to the you know the toilet paper pandemic where <laughs> everybody's just going to buy their scratchers way quicker? Well, no, because like realistically, if that if the system worked like like it sounds you would be able to see when people are buying more tickets and there'd be a delay between them being bought and then being redeemed. Okay. Right? Like, it's not it's not going to be instantaneous. Like, you mm-hmm. buy it and then you in, necessarily immediately know if you won or not and it's going to be updated for everyone yeah, else. Yeah, it, it's the redemption of the prize that would yeah, update. Yeah, but you, you're going to see, like, yesterday somebody won the 1 million and then two days before someone won the 50,000. So there's only 100,000 and then 25,000 left. Yeah. So do you want to buy a ticket and try and win those prizes, or do you want to wait a week for the new one to come around? Or, I mean, the even bigger thing for me is, like, that people are buying tickets when they don't know if there's even a chance for them to win. Yeah, right. That's the crazy thing about Scratchers to me, is, like, you could be buying a ticket where all of the prizes have already been claimed. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, no, I don't like that. I agree with you. But I also know that there is a deep-seated culture of lotto ticket buying, right? Yeah. A lot of people that buy lotto tickets every week, they just do it. It's happened. Yeah, that, right? was, that was another point that I was going to make, is like implementing a system like this might not necessarily change anything. Because also, like me getting on my soapbox and saying... All this kind of stuff. It's like, you know, yelling at a smoker. Like, don't you know it gives you lung cancer? Yeah, they know, but they're in the habit. They have the addiction, and it's just something that they do. And it might change eventually, but, Mm. you know, these are... Yeah, you're you're right, but I think if people are more educated into what they're doing, they'll be smarter about playing. Yeah. Maybe. I still think there is... There's merit to what both you're saying, because I think that there's still going to be people that don't care right they would rather spend thirty dollars a week hopefully you know with the idea of oh you know what one day i'm gonna make it one day i'm gonna win the 50 mil or the two mil or whatever it is and then i'm good and all those all those tickets that i bought for 30 years are all gonna pay off realistically it's not gonna happen yeah but also whenever somebody does win it's big news Right, mm-hmm. it's always in the paper. Every yeah. time somebody in BC wins any type of lottery, it's always in the paper. It's always the fourth, fifth, or sixth page Be- because they want you to see that people are because winning. they want you to see it. Yeah, yeah, and everybody loves the not good story of like, oh, this guy won the lottery, and that means that I could win the lottery, and oh, somebody in Langley won it, so that's not that far away. I, I could easily win, right? It's it's just playing with people's emotions, right? Yeah. They're playing with their logic. 
Well, and there's also, like, another thing that doesn't get talked about is there's unintended consequences to winning the lottery. Uh, the taxes that you have to pay on it is something that a lot of people mm-hmm. don't think about. Yeah. It counts as income, which could bump you into a higher tax bracket, which would mean that you have to pay back, like, a very high percentage of your winnings anyways. Yeah. yeah. I, <laughs> I watched a YouTube video a little while ago, I think think it was William Osman maybe it might not have been I can't remember Who's that? Uh, just a YouTube guy he's like an engineering guy mm-hmm. but this video specifically isn't really about engineering but he wanted to uh, see what the process is like if you were to gift someone a car because like that's a popular thing on the internet on YouTube or TikTok or whatever it's like oh, yeah. I gave a stranger a Tesla you know so he wanted to go through that process and see what it would be and what happens to a lot of those people is they get gifted a tesla and that gift counts as income the value of the car counts as income which like it's not actual income it's it's an asset you're not liquid that amount but it still bumps you up into a higher tax bracket so they're gifted a car and then all of a sudden end of the year i owe the government fifteen thousand dollars now yeah which means basically you get the tesla you sell the tesla and then you make about half of what you got off the car. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Which so, is still not nothing, but you don't get you don't have a Tesla for very long. No. Well, I think that's kind of why a lot of uh, like competitions and like things that you you apply in for to to win a prize. Yeah. Always say like skill testing question is required because you have to be you have to win it through some sort of contest. You can't just it, it can't just be written over to you. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's why a lot of them always say like skill testing question required. It's usually yeah. just like a simple math question. Yeah, or something like. I that. I thought that was because they didn't want bots doing it. It might be that too, but it, it but it, it comes down to uh, I think I think it's across Canada law of uh, how contests are conducted and how you, how you win prizes. Right. Oh, you know, there is, we're, there we're, is a trick. Yeah, or in Canada specifically, I don't know, I don't think it's the States, but I think in Canada specifically, um, it's all, always some sort of skill testing question has to yeah. be a requirement of winning yeah. or prior to the gift being presented or, or you're being rewarded mm-hmm. uh, or else uh, you get taxed and I think the person giving it also some sort of penalty as well. Yeah, that's, that's what it was. The, they asked the skill testing question because... They, there's some kind of law that they have to pay something. I don't remember. We should look it up. We should look it up. I'll look it up now. But um, yeah, the the conclusion of that video where he was trying to gift someone a Tesla, I think because the whole point of it was to figure out how to do it without basically screwing over the person who would be winning the Tesla. And the only way that he was able to do it was, oh, what was it? I think it was like he gave them the option to... Uh, take the Tesla, but then he would also pay the difference in taxes. So, like, he was out the Tesla and X amount of dollars. Because I think the other thing is when you're gifted uh, a large ticket item like that, you still have to pay the sales tax. I think that's what it is. Yeah. I don't know if it's, like, well, maybe it might be yearly tax, too, but it might be the sales tax. It definitely is. Like, it, it does bump you up because it does count as income. 
but yeah. you do also have to pay the sales tax, which is like, like people don't think about that for, you know, people going on prices right. No, I was just like, going to say prices yeah. right. I, I, I'm fairly certain, it may not be anymore, but I'm fairly certain at least at one point, uh, yeah, like if you won stuff, you did still have to pay the sales tax on yeah. what you won. Yeah. In order to get it, yeah. Which okay. I mean, the sales tax on the sports cars, like well, sport, sports car, and then you're getting like you know a new a new kitchen and a trip to Belize and yeah, all, all, you got so yeah, pay for portions of that, yeah, mm-hmm. not not some small yeah. amount. That's the thing that they don't really get that you don't really know going into it because usually you have to pay a bunch of money up front. Yeah. So um, I know I there's a story of someone I know and they were on they were in the audience at uh, it was either Jeopardy or Wheel of Fortune. Okay. And basically there is a guy sitting on the edge of the of the stage as soon as the person walks off screen after they won however much money, mm. they're on them. It's the IRS. <laughs> yeah. It's the guy that signs it, that it, gets the money. It, it's also in a lot of situations like that, it's also um it's I think it's usually done by like a third party company, but like it's for also um legitimacy reasons of, of them winning mm. so like in canada where you have to like have a skill testing question in all those games like price is right where it's like uh, a board and they have like they like pick their pick their tabs and they open up an envelope yeah as soon as that shot is done and they pan away somebody goes up and they have to actually document all the other ones and show <laughs> what value was in each one really to to log it for tax purposes for for the people that insure the game show, because mm. if they if you can't prove through documentation and 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 all, and all that that the game was legit, then you can't get your prizes insured. <laughs> That's so hokey. I hate yeah. that. Um, I did look it up though. Um, the reason that they do the skill testing question is because it then instead of game of chance, it becomes a game of skill. And it's not taxed. It's taxed differently. Yeah, that, that yeah. that's what it is. Oh. So a game of skill is taxed differently than a game of chance. Even though the actual game that you might be playing is a game of chance, if they put a skill testing question in there, yeah, yeah. it proves that's... that you're of a certain... Okay. So the Canadian Criminal Code bans for-profit gaming or betting, with exceptions made for provincial lotteries, licensed casinos, and charity events. So... Anybody else, like stores, radio stations, and other groups that want to have a contest, you have to have the skill testing question so that it's not a for-profit game of chance. Okay, yeah. So they take it. So it, if they put that skill testing question in there, it makes it a game of skill, uh, which means it is yeah it's, different. It's, yeah. it's handled differently. Penalties for violating the contest. The criminal code uh, includes two years of prison and $25,000 fines. Which is like, okay, so whenever I hear something like that, like I hear a law like that, I'm thinking, why does that law exist? That law is there to protect provincial lottery commissions. Yes. Is that what they're that, called? Yeah. It, make, it protects the governmental, government-controlled lotteries so that nobody else can have a lottery. Right, because if somebody else had a lottery and they had a system where you could see the winnings beforehand, that would be huge trouble for them, right? Yeah, they because they're doing it in a way that benefits the consumer a little bit more than them, and they're like, oh, this way that they're doing it is correct. Yeah. They're stopping competition from happening because they... Yeah. Yeah. 
Again, getting on my soapbox. No, it's it's okay. I no, like it. it's entirely one sided. Like, yeah. I, I didn't yeah. know the specifics about why it was why there was a skull testing question, but I knew I knew it was because of like taxes and fines yeah. and things like that. Uh, it's a yeah, hundred percent. It's to protect like provincial lotteries. Yeah, absolutely. To protect it specifically from competition. Yeah. 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 Which is yeah, that like it goes against the whole. It's an, it's, an easy, it's an easy workaround. Like yeah. I, I'm pretty sure those questions are like. You know, it's four like, plus it, it, two. It, well, no, it, it's like a math question. It's like it's like twenty five minus seven. You yeah. know, divided by four. Yeah. And if you want to, you can just pull your calculator out and do it. Right yeah, there. I think I think you they they think they send it to you and you just have to set it back yeah. or something. Yeah. But they always put a tricky little you know they do the brackets. Yeah. So you have yeah, to yeah. do your bed mass. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I don't know if you have to get the question right. I, I think you do. I think you do. I yeah. think they're required to show that you did it. Okay. And that the answer yeah. is correct. And it's honestly, I mean, it's not a bad idea either, just from a efficiency standpoint. Because if the person that won doesn't know how to do simple math, they're probably not going to be very great at coming to get their winnings and, <laughs> you know, signing forms and all this other stuff. And they they're probably, probably going to like. They probably don't know what not a T4 think about slip the taxes. Is. <laughs> yeah, well, it's also you know in situations like that, it's probably like a twelve-year-old that shouldn't have been exactly. shouldn't have been in the contest. Yeah, yeah. There is an exception. Uh. When estimating the number of beans in a jar, that is technically a skill, a skill already. Yeah. So you don't need to answer a skill testing question as well as count the number of beans or whatever in a jar. Because it's a skill game. Because it's already a skill. Yeah. And then I guess that's probably also like carnival games and stuff. Those are technically games technically of skill. skill yeah. Even Heavily those rigged, rigged, but they're games of skill. Super yeah. rigged. Yeah. You ever been to one of those, like a like an actual carnival, and you can just tell how they're rigged, and like this is just sad. Yeah, in my uh, in the small town in Alberta that I grew up in, we were talking about this recently. There was a little. You uh, talk about your small town of Alberta very often. <laughs> there was a a fair that came through town once a year, where like they would set up in a day, they were there for a weekend, and then they packed up and they were gone. And it was like, yeah, just like looking at those games, it's like, yeah. We usually get those in Abbotsford quite a bit in the yeah. summer and spring and summer. Yeah. Not so much anymore. Yeah. Maybe like once or twice a year, that's it now. Yeah, it's just such a heavy grifter vibe. Like, oh, 100%. They, they come and go before you can even see them. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. So I'm, I'm still reading about the, the skill testing question. But uh, so uh, not answering the skill testing question correctly can result in the prize not being awarded. Mm. This has happened in at least one occasion for Tim Hortons Roll Up the Rim to win. In 2008, the individual failed to answer the skill testing question correctly on the prize form due to a learning disability. Tim Hortons refused to release the prize until the intervention of a local newspaper. Anecdotally, getting the answer wrong is often not an obstacle to claiming a prize, and the winner is given another chance to calculate again. Oh, okay. So they might give you another chance to do the question. Yeah. But, folks, just get it right the first time, okay? <laughs> yeah. Well, Makes unless easier. you have a learning disability. Well, yeah. I feel like you get a bit of a pass. <laughs> You're probably right. I feel like we should go easy on this guy. All right, yeah. I mean, it sounds like he got his prize, so. Yeah. It's probably like a donut or something. Like, yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyways, ah, yeah, the lottery's messed up. Yeah. And if you really think about it, folks, if you really break it down, it's just the government trying to suck money out of you. Yeah. I do like the, and 
Oh, actually, I don't know how I feel about this yet. How do we feel about like, like the hero home, heroes home lottery where you can like win a big house, but it like goes to charity or something like that. What what about that? I feel like those aren't as bad because they're not a government owned and run. Okay. And they do go to like hosp- usually hospitals or child ch- you know, children's mm-hmm. hospitals and things like that. But I mean, there's the same kind of thing. They're expecting to have certain certain levels of people buying into it, usually because the prizes are pretty look pretty good, like the homes and all that kind of stuff that you get, mm-hmm. the properties. But uh, yeah, they definitely they're making profit. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. it's charity, but like they're meeting their costs, and then I don't know if they're going for charity. That probably counts as a non-profit at that point, because yeah. the rules are different for non-profits. It's tough to say, yeah, because. I here's another thing that I'm against. Uh, you know when you go to the grocery store. I hate grocery stores. I'm so against. Yeah. Them. Get rid uh, of them, folks. All right. Well, that's a great podcast. I'll say we wrap it up there. Yeah. <laughs> See you next uh, week. So you know when you go to the grocery store, or a fast food restaurant, <laughs> whatever, and there's on the on the till there's the option. Do you want to donate a dollar, two dollars, oh, yeah. five dollars? You shouldn't do that. No. No. Because. That is, it counts as revenue for the company that they don't have to pay It's a charitable donation from from them to the cause. Yeah, but it still counts as revenue that raises the value of the company. So you're still supporting a corporation. Sure, your money is going to charity, but you're also uh, raising a corporation up in standing. You're making their stock more valuable, whatever. When you could just donate the money yourself. If you actually do care about that charity, donate the money yourself. Think about all the times that you're going to go to Walmart over the next month. Calculate how many $1 donations you're going to make in that time to the Red Cross and yep. just do it. Does Walmart do the Red Cross? I think so. I don't think I've ever been asked that at Walmart. I always get it uh, at the self-checkouts. Oh, uh, see, I don't do yeah. self-checkout. No, you don't. I hate self-checkout. All right. No, I, okay, I don't hate it. Like, it's a very efficient system, and I get that there's a lot of people in this world that don't want to stand in line and talk to the person and but i just think it's sad right i think it's you know the same reason that we have the the kiosks at mcdonald's and the same reason that we have you know less and less everything is more and more automized i'm all for automization you know let's make things as efficient as possible but i also still like going through the line hello how's it going oh good how's your day oh great you know I think that's it's still a it's it's a human interaction that I enjoy. Yeah. So you're a people person. Though. I am. I am a people person. I think there's less and less people per, people people purple pe- <laughs> people persons people purple people persons. purple people eaters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, in the world, as as time goes on. And I want to touch on that because I agree with you, but I and I don't know if having self checkouts is part of the problem or if there was already. The problem, and then that just and it was the made solution. it worse. Let me let me ask or, you. Let me ask sorry, you go ahead. sorry, I don't want to interrupt. No, go ahead. Let me ask you this. So, if, if things are being more automized, mm-hmm. <laughs> are we then going to reach a point where people want that feeling back? So then, that person-to-person interaction is then going to become a premium. Uh, I don't oh, think. Yeah, like this is the like, grocery store that has certain, people. Well, it's it's oh. it's a service. Yeah. So that's like, so like, whether, whether it's grocery store or a restaurant or, or whatever, but like, are you then gonna be maybe in five years going to places that have that as a, a sales aspect? Mm-hmm. 
you know, we're, we're a people people place. Come eat at our, at our people place. And maybe the like the prices there would be higher because yeah. it costs more to yep. pay a human because, being. Well, than they, they, they to have to have the machine. Oh. have to have the staff. Yeah, and they, I, have, they have to be be interacting, yeah. so they have to have more people. Like the same way that people pay more to go to like an organic grocery store, for example. Yeah, would people pay more to go to a grocery store that is? Will people pay for people? Cashiers? People will people pay more for people? Interesting. I had I have not considered that up yeah, until now. That is very interesting. I'm glad I, you brought I, that I think, up. I think we're getting to that. Yeah. I think we might be because th- it's what I was trying to say, like earlier. Like the fact that we are moving away from just those small person to person social interactions, I think is could be detrimental to our society. Right? I get that we want to automize that, and I'm all, all for automizing. I'm sorry. No, Auto- no, no, don't. <laughs> I don't. have to. No, don't. I have to. It's so good, though. <laughs> this could be our new running joke. Automization is a word. <laughs> no, automate. Yeah. Automation. But automize. Automize is, is not Autom- a word. Automize. You even said automize. <laughs> automize is a word. It's definitely not a word. Is this like the irregardless thing where I'm going to be you're, right you're, again? You're like automize and atomize <laughs> and automation. You're like, Meh. no, you're wrong. <laughs> His eyes just got ten percent sadder. Automize <laughs> the feeling you get in autumn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going to be like a completely different meaning, but yeah. it is a real word. I, I automized my wardrobe this week. <laughs> so, um, it's technically not a word. <laughs> Technically, but hey, you know what? Language is fluid, and the way that <laughs> words get created, fluid. yeah, you know, the way words get created, hey, is you know by what? Forcing you, them into the you know what? Automize, patent it. Next time someone's like talking about automation, you'll be like, they're going to be saying automize instead of Kleenex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would do that, except that it's already a commercial task automate automation tool for Windows, <laughs> developed by VSoft Technologies. There it is. Um, so, automize does exist. It is a digital tool. Uh, it is not a word in the dictionary, folks. Not a sponsor. And I apologize. I don't like using words that aren't real. You do that a lot, though. But no, irregardless. Irregardless is 100% a word. That's why I use it. Because everyone gets annoyed when I say it, and it's still a word. Also, you use a lot of words that aren't real. I do not. Name <laughs> five. You, you misspeak, and... I, I go out of my way not to tell you that you're wrong. I do admire that about you, though. Like, yeah. you, 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 you just roll with you it. You commit. Look, yeah. you have to be confident in what you do. If you walk into a uh, a brain surgery operation room with a, with scrubs and a mask and, you know, you're ready to go with a scalpel, they're not going to think twice. They're like, oh, the new guy's here. Right? Yeah. Anyways, I'm sorry. I interrupted you. You were no, making a point okay. about human interaction. It's fine. I'm I'm trying to make this podcast more automizable. <laughs> I really like the human automization of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Automate. Okay. What was I saying? You okay. were saying that you think it's detrimental to our society. I agree. Human interactions. Yes. Yes. Human, because those, because people don't really realize how important. Just even if you, you know, don't see anybody in one day, but you got to go to Walmart later. And you got to get socks because you're like, ah, I'm out of my last pair of socks, you know? Ah. <laughs> yeah. <like laughs> That's you what you do, right? Ah. <laughs> ah. 
Ah, <laughs> uh, what, what am I doing here? Uh, my sacks. My sacks. They're wicked smart, but I'm out of them. Anyways. So. Um, we were on such a good track there with intelligent We were talking about smart stuff. You had yeah. to tell them. That I'm sorry. I'm weird. sorry. I ruined everything. It's fine. It's fine. So. Anyways, you go to Walmart. You don't talk to anybody when you're there. You know, you go to like 1045 right before they close. So you don't have to see anybody. But you still have to talk to the guy that checks your socks. Right? Click. Oh, how's it going? Oh, good. You know, whatever. Here's the thing. You don't have to. You can go to self-checkout. <sighs> That's the problem. That's the so, problem. So you, so you want to go and make the guy who is just waiting the 15 minutes to go home. Yeah, that's the other thing. Sometimes those cashiers stop, don't want to talk to you. Stop his early cleaning process and go over to the cash register to sell you socks. Yeah, I've, I've been thinking about that argument also in my head while we're having this conversation because I've never been a cashier. So I don't know how it feels. I don't know if it's fun or not. It probably depends on the person, I assume. Um, but it's also probably pretty tiring job talking to people all day and just knowing that they're going to have a better day than you because they're not at work. And the, and that you waited until 1045 to buy a pair of socks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. And I mean, that's the thing, right? Is like automization is not only a, a solution to the problem of, uh, you know, it, it costs money to pay workers and it's cheaper to have a machine do that job. But it's also people don't want to do those jobs anymore. Yes. Like people are getting so sick of doing these jobs for no money. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so. Well, it also comes down to like uh, like scheduling. Like you can have fewer people in an evening at a place like Walmart yeah. if you have the self-checkout open and yeah. only have somebody going on till if they really need to. Yeah. Have people the, the, there, yeah. like, in the peak hours and, like, you know, Absolutely. at 1045 when people are buying their last-minute socks. Blah. But at the same time, like, you can be open later with fewer, yeah. pe- with fewer people. Yeah. It's true. If you have self-checkout and you start at 7 o'clock at night and you go till 11 o'clock at night, you can just have a manager standing there or and you can have... Because there's always that one person that, like, stands by the self-checkout and be like, do you need help with your self-checkout? Yeah, but it's always the manager. The manager's not the one that's going to ring you through. They're, they're, no, the no, one, no. they're the one that's going to call somebody who's doing something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get Yeah, because you still want that experience of, I don't like you, can you please call the manager? You still got to get that, you know? But, um, but with self-checkout, there's always just that one person standing at the self-checkout. It's usually the person who's manning the tills if they need a, a person at the till. Right. From the, my experience. The, probably the floater is what they're called. I don't know. Something like that. Irregardless. But I don't know what I was saying. But, but yeah, yeah, I agree that you can have you can you can have less staff on the floor at that time with self-checkout. So it makes sense from an automation perspective, from a less people that want to do that job perspective. It's cheaper for the company. It's It's nicer for the individuals, for the customers probably. But... Yeah, I get it. But I your point is that you think that those small interactions they're, that they're are missing yeah. are, are doing damage to yeah. people. Sure. Like, if we get to a world where I can do everything in my day that I need to do, you know, go to a restaurant, go to uh, sh- go shop, go to the grocery store, go shopping, do everything that I need to do on a Saturday morning, and I don't have to talk to anybody or see anybody, that is i think is a problem yeah but at the same time somebody who's in a rush to do things will do will do them faster and won't think about 
oh, I didn't have to have a conversation with Samantha at the till about her weekend and what my weekend plans were. I could yeah. just I could just get my socks and be out the door. I get that, but also... But I, I, I see what you're saying. It's just like, I don't think... you you Because you, you want the, the, the person-to-person. But I think, like, collectively, like, as a culture, uh, we're not at that point where people are missing that enough. But when we do mm-hmm. is when the person-to-person premium service will it could become a thing <laughs> I, I i'm because that, that'll yeah. happen after after people realize like oh we don't have this aspect of you know interaction with people on our day-to-day anymore i want to pay to have that now yeah but yeah i agree and it's baffling that i hadn't even considered that thought up until now because it's we're quickly getting there right i could go to mcdonald's walmart uh the movie theater, um, a lot of places, I can do a whole day of different things, of activities, and I don't have to talk to anybody if I well, don't want to. you're choosing not to. You go to McDonald's, there are people eating in the restaurant that you could talk to. If you, I'm just saying, yeah. as an example of human interaction, you could, t- you could talk to. Yeah. You go to Walmart, there's pe- always people in the aisles, and there's people working stocking shelves. If you had to talk to somebody, yeah, somebody you, to you don't have to talk to the minimum wage worker to have a social interaction yeah. at Walmart. You're going to the movie theater, you're literally in a theater with other people. Yeah, but Share, how often, Sharing us an experience. But how often does the regular person talk to the person in front of them? It's, it doesn't happen a lot. But I be the change you want in the world. It, hey, you're you're <laughs> preaching to the choir, Mike. You're preaching to the choir because I'm the kind of guy that I'm like, just playing devil's advocate for you. But. No, I know, I appreciate that, and I am the type of guy that will listen to the conversation in, of the people in front of me in the movie theater. Be like, uh, what about this? <laughs> um, actually, um, actually, <laughs> it's Jurassic Park, not Jurassic World, or whatever. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, it's and you just want to be friendly and you want to be involved in conversations, but. Anyways, my point is that the culture we live in, we, I think that we are not realizing it quick enough because people don't, people are choosing not to go for that extra bit of socialization. Yeah, people people don't miss the exactly. interaction yet. Exactly. Which, but, is I'm, which is what I'm saying. Like when people do, yeah, you'll go to places and like restaurants yes. and and things like that that have that are catered to that oh yeah. man as i service. just had okay think about this you know how right now we have like 60s diners yeah in like how long ago was the 60s 80 years ago so 80 years so in 80 years there will be uh, 2012 diners yeah 2010s diners it's been 60 years since the 60s mm. oh yes oh, yeah. you're right yeah <laughs> Good luck. can't believe both of you said 80 <laughs> <laughs> I just I didn't want to do the math so I'm like whatever Zach says I'm going to go with I know yeah, I know right. that's what you did I'll, I'll pass this skill testing question <laughs> yeah. so in 60 years apologies yeah. there will be diners that are like 2020's diners and the only thing that will be different is people will bring you your food <laughs> yeah. well you know what it'll be it'll be 90's because everyone's nostalgic for the 90's well right now they are well yeah but but even like when, when the tradition is from like going 60's nostalgia to 90's I think it'll stay at 90s because the t- early aughts and the 10s didn't really have a lot culturally that was like... Eh, I mean, well, I think you think that now because it hasn't maybe, had enough time. Maybe. 9/11. But people... Yeah. Well, think, I'm not saying things didn't happen, but I'm saying like... 
can't the, wait the, for those 911 <laughs> diners. <God> damn it. <laughs> they'll be they'll be niner diners. Jeez. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I'm just saying that culturally the it, the 90s are more independent and and odd than like the uh, the odds in the 10s. I don't know. I I think I might What do you I, what was the culture for you in in 20 the 2010s? What would you point to as like things that are distinctly 2010 culture? I hear what you're saying, and I can't think of anything exactly. which is which I is think the point you're making. <clears throat> it's tricky because the Ugg boots, the early 2010s, kind of late 90s too, though. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to think about them anymore. The early 2010s were so defined by the internet. That's when the internet really started to That's kind true. of take hold on our culture, which would be a hard thing to capture. In like as a nostalgic thing to look my space yeah like I I definitely think you know thirty years down the line there's going to be movies like there like there is now like with Stranger Things where we're all nostalgic about the eighties like in twenty fifty there's going to be a show like Stranger Things but it's going to be about you know like a like a predator on the internet or something you know what I just heard I heard that they're bringing back that seventies show as that nineties show is that well because yeah they tried to do the eighties one right and that failed but they're doing the nineties now yeah I heard that with all the same cast yeah yeah they're all coming back. Time. Except for Hyde, who isn't coming back for obvious reasons. Yeah, I've never. I, I was surpri- I was surprised that they were gonna get everybody else back. Yeah, I was. I was shocked. Yeah, because they they've all moved on to pretty much bigger things. Pretty much all yeah. of them. Mostly. I I understand why they want to do that because you gotta <laughs> capitalize on the remakes and the the redos and the reboots. And financially, the, it's a safe bet. It's a safe well, bet financially. It's the Fuller House Syndrome. Yeah, it is. It's like, I remember this from when I was growing up. As yeah. a, a, it informed me as a young child, and now I... Yeah, nostalgia is a big player, and also having a... What's it called? A, uh, a known brand, or a known... Uh, it's not brand, but it's a... Property, like property, yeah. Property. A known a, a known property is always a safer bet, which is so sad. Yeah. Because if you count all of the reboots that they've done, whether it's television, film, everything, there's like a seventy five percent chance that it's not going to be good. Yeah. And that's so sad because every once in a while it's really good, but most of the time it's just lesser than the original. Yeah. Which is well, that, silly. Yeah, that kind of goes to the idea that a lot of people think that there's no original ideas anymore. Yeah. So it's, it's really, it's really just combining one thing with another. So you're taking one thing that's already established and being like, hey, what if it's plus this? Yeah. And that can become something different. You know, I just listened to a podcast about something similar to this the other day. Shout out to Raiders of the Lost podcast on Spotify. But they, you know, they were talking about how if you think about in let's say the 70s what types of movies did everybody go see and then you look at 2022 or 20 what year is it now 2022 yeah and you say okay what are the all what are the movies that everybody goes to see yeah right it's you know in the in, in 1975 it was every there were no movies for children right yeah and it were very rare well, there was like Disney know, was Disney has been making Disney, movies since yeah. like the I wouldn't 40s. say there's no right, but I, I mean, would say the, the 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 idea that audiences were targeted between eighteen and thirty five is more indicative than of the nineties onward than previously yeah. for sure. 
Everything pre-Spielberg, essentially. Uh, well, that era, yeah. Yeah. So, essentially, anything pre-Spielberg, you go to the theaters and you're watching dramas. You're watching, you know, you're not watching, you know, high-budget action movies. You're watching, you know, uh, psychological thrillers. You're watching horror movies. Are you talking about the 90s and, and, and 80s? No, like the, like... 70, like, between 60 and 80, probably. There's 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 great 80s horror and drama movies and things like oh, that. Oh, I'm not saying there isn't, but I'm saying that with the, with the debut of the big-budget action movie, you get... Those are the movies that people go to see, right? Because they, they were around before Spielberg. Yeah, they were, but... The, the point you're making is that, like, back then, before all these properties existed... There was more original ideas, so there was a wider yes. variety of genre yes. in that kind of thing. Yeah, which, which I mean goes to the idea of like, yeah, there's no original ideas. Exactly right, and and that's not true because right, the movies that that everybody sees now are essentially Marvel, right? It, if you list all the movies that are going to come out in 2022 or 2023, and you say, okay, which ones are you most likely to go see in theaters? Probably it's going to be the Marvel movies and. You know, maybe other big budget blockbusters. You know, maybe some whatever legacy sequels. Whatever legacy sequels. Star Wars, Star Trek, the new Top Gun. Top Gun, yeah. right? It's gonna be those movies that are not. You know, they're not dramas. They're not comedies. They're not. They're not horror, right? They're. There's such a big jump between the best horror movie of 2021 and the best action movie of 2021 right and i think that what, that's what do you mean by that like monetary like the amount of people that go oh, like measuring their success what, by what, what, what they what, put, what puts by, asses in seats yeah by butts in seats like yeah. the amount of people that went to see the biggest horror movie of 2021 and the, the amount of people that went to see the biggest marvel movie of 2021 yeah. there is a monumental difference in numbers yeah and it's partly because of uh, you know, um, audience, right? You're, well, you're marketing to a smaller audience. I think that goes yeah. more to the movie because, like, a horror movie is only going to have so many themes of horror and suspense and and maybe drama, whereas a Marvel movie, especially the more recent ones, can can bridge a lot more. Like, it can do comedy, it can do action, it can do uh, like an ensemble kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh. It could do well. I mean, like Doctor Strange kind of did like a horror thing. Yeah. They hit more notes. They hit more notes, and they're they're made like that's also kind of one of the problems with some Marvel movies is they're made to hit a, a broad audience and not anything specific. Yeah, that's the thing, right? Whereas, I mean, so, some of the some of the most inventive horror movies in the last ten years uh, are ones that bridge away from horror. Oh yeah, like like the cabin in the woods. It's crazy. Oh yeah, don't get me wrong. I love where horror is going right now. It's better than it was in the eighties, in my opinion. Even with the original, like you know, slasher flicks, I was never a fan of those. I don't really see the point. I don't get into it that much. But the psychological horror that they're coming out with now is way better. I yeah, I'm kind of I feel mixed on that opinion. I think. The 80s and 90s had a lot of really good psychological ones that you might be underrating. Uh, mm. Because a lot of horror, especially in like the 2010s and even up till now, is like a, gore horror is a genre that I don't care for. I don't care for either. But it's it's 
mostly been kind of invented since like Saw 2 or Saw 3 where it got really prevalent and then it mm-hmm. kind of like skyrocketed after that. I would even I saw Saw 1. It's the only one I've seen. Sorry, which one did you see? Saw 1, the first Sorry. Saw. So you saw that one? I saw Saw. <laughs> uh, Automize it? But uh, like that one, that one I really liked because it wasn't really gory even though it had like some, you know, kind of like bloody scenes, but like it, it was very like psychological mm-hmm. and suspense. The whole thing takes place in one room and the first saw is great. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, which one is saw again? The one with the saw. The one with uh, the, the guy with the mask with the, like the, the clown, the clown mask he, with like the circles. Well, let's yeah. play a game kind of. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. I always get, whenever someone says saw, I think chainsaw and i think texas chainsaw oh, massacre yeah. i'm like yeah. no that's different that's yeah. different it is, yeah it is different but uh, that that texas chainsaw also kind of goes to it that's more i would say of a, a gore horror than this yeah. like a slasher horror not originally Have well, you the, seen? not the original yeah but, like, the original texas chainsaw massacre is a pretty great psychological horror yeah movie. no but like the, 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 the newer one it was like it, it's, in 2010 or it's been bastardized yeah to be sure but I, like i believe you yeah the prevalence of gore horror as like a genre i just i did not care for it at all yeah I am not opposed to it, but it has it better come with a real good story. Yeah. Right? It can be done right. If I'm just going to watch an hour and a half of people getting chopped up, what a waste of time. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like it it, ha- it to to do to be a successful horror movie like that, you have to bridge genres of being like either it's funny or or there's there's more substance to like the mm-hmm. drama or suspense than just uh, there's a there's a bear trap around my head and it's going to close in 30 seconds. Yeah. And, and, and the key is inside this guy's stomach. You know? Was that in a movie? Probably. It's I been in a couple of movies. Pretty I'm sure that was in one of the songs. I know there was one about a, something in a guy's stomach. Yeah. yeah. And that was gnarly. I'm probably mashing multiple movies together, but that know. kind of thing happens in a lot of them. I mean, they uh, Freddy versus Jason in space. They do it all the they time. They didn't do it in space. They haven't gone to space. It was Freddy versus Jason, and then there was a Jason X in space. I don't care. <laughs> um, actually. It's, who watched... Did people watch those? People I, did. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. I, I, sorry, I don't mean to bash on horror movies. They're, they're good. I did, like did, them. Did you even know that Jason in space was before Freddy versus Jason? I Okay, what's the... What I, I, mean, I, remember, I remember seeing it on VHS and DVD in my Rogers video. Oh my goodness. Rogers video. Yeah. Well, shout out to them. Hope they're doing well. <laughs> shout out to Blockbuster. Doing great. <laughs> I think there's still the one Blockbuster. There's yet. still the one. It's amazing. In Oregon, I believe. I watched the uh, documentary on it, The Last Blockbuster with uh, Kevin Smith. Fantastic documentary. <laughs> Check it out on Netflix. With a lot of other people, too. Yeah, but he, like, put it together. Oh, did he? So I think he was kind of, he directed it, I believe. Or he was mm. involved in it. He was in it. He's in it. But a lot of people. If he's in it, I'm sure he had like a a bigger creative hand in it. Yeah, maybe. Like executive producer, maybe. I believe he was. I I think I remembered in the credits. But irregardless, it's a great little uh, documentary. Most people are like, when you say, oh, I watched a documentary, and it's like, oh, it's probably about, you know, climate change or something (laughs) in some crazy, you know, world thing. It's like, no, no, it's about Blockbuster. It's like, oh, that's nice. Sometimes you don't have to watch. You know, it doesn't have to be depressing. It doesn't have to be an activist documentary. You don't have to try and change the world after you watch it. Okay. Sometimes it's just, Hey, let's watch this thing about, here's a story. Here's a story. Yeah. Yeah. And something you didn't know yet. I like those. Those are good. They're fun. What's the last documentary you guys watched? Yeah. Do the, do the series count? I don't know. What's the series? Uh, I think the last, 
Uh, yeah, I think the last one I probably watched was the one that came out about the Cecil Hotel mm. and uh, Elisa Lam. I don't know what that means. Uh, that was the one where this uh, it was a girl from Vancouver who traveled to L.A., stayed at a seedy hotel downtown that had a reputation for uh, being awful. <laughs> and like, you know, it was like where all the drug addicts would stay and everything. Uh, she went missing. They couldn't find her. Uh, security footage was released to try to, you know, they released it to the public basically to be like, look for clues. <laughs> and still nobody could find her. Uh, a couple days later... Um, people in the hotel started to complain that the water was tasting funny. Oh. Um, and it had a weird color to it. So Ooh. they went up to the roof, opened the water tank, and she was inside the water tank, dead and bloated, and had been there for several, several days. Oh. A lot of really weird things about, like, that, like, the hatch was closed, which there's no way to close the hatch from the inside, because there's not a ladder to get down. It's you jump in and you're in. Right. Like, and like the the security footage that was released of her in the elevator is very creepy and strange. Uh, it's like her pressing every button on the elevator and then she gets back into the elevator. She looks around like somebody's watching her. She gets back into the elevator. She does these like weird creepy hand movements. Mm. Really bizarre, crazy story. Um, yeah, I recommend it. It's good. I was fascinated with that story when I first heard it, and then that documentary came out last year or something. I think so. Hmm. Yeah. Surprised you guys have never heard that story. I think no. I've heard you talk about that story before, yeah. but I didn't know about the documentary. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, it's like a three episode thing. Okay. I don't. Where do you? Where did you see that? Because where do you? Where'd you get your documentary? It was that on Netflix. That was on Netflix. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I just I. Yeah, I mean, first of all. Who has time to watch stuff anymore, right? <laughs> Second of all, when you sit down and you're like, "Man, I really want to watch something," you don't always want to turn your brain on for it, so you don't always want to. You don't always want to go to the documentary section, right? I'm, I'm pretty sure the last documentary I watched, other than the hit series on Netflix called Rotten about uh, uh, food corruption in the world, which is great. I just watched the episode on water bottles. And just mm -hmm. water in general and how, like, you know, they talk about Flint, Michigan. They talk about Lagos, Nigeria, and just the corruption that these water companies are, are doing. Oh, what a bunch of nonsense. Yeah. They're, okay, I, you know Flint, Michigan? Mm -hmm. I didn't really, like, I had heard that they were didn't have water. But I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's that sucks for them, right? But, and, I, you know, I felt bad for them, but I didn't really know the specifics what a crazy story. Yeah. The fact that less than 100... My, I was going to say kilometers, but miles. Because uh, it's a miracle. And they there is a water... Nestle water plant that ship, that pulls water out of the ground and sells it across the country. Yeah. But a spitting distance away, there is a city that has no water. Yeah. And it, it would take not much to just run a pipe. Yeah. Very little. But they do not care. Yeah. Oh. It's another thing that I avoid voting for with my money is Nestle products. Like, Folks, don't buy water bottles. What are you yeah. doing? Just buy one water bottle. Oh, okay. There was an incredible stat in that show. Incredible. If you buy one plastic water bottle and you... Fill that water bottle up 
every day for eight years, you will have paid for the amount for this. Hold on. You will have paid the same price as if you had bought one water bottle. So the amount of water, tap water, that you pay for to fill that water bottle up for eight years is the same price as buying the water bottle. Do you understand? I don't know if I do. So the 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 dollar fifty or dollar you spend a yeah. dollar on that water bottle. Yeah. That Nestle water bottle. The plastic water it. bottle. Yeah. Yeah. If you just filled up that water bottle from your tap yeah if you already had one they filled it up for eight years yeah. every day it's the same price oh okay where yeah. are you getting a water bottle for a dollar <laughs> well okay you know what i mean <laughs> it's like but, 350 yeah, well yeah that's crazy well so then then it would be it probably be what's eight times eight. three yeah, I, I, math is probably about eight, in the eight 20s. to ten years it's in probably. the 20s but yeah but yeah so you you spend literal years paying for that one water bottle you bought or you could fill it up from your tap for next to nothing. Yeah. It's amazing. I butchered the stat and it didn't explain it well, but it's just it was powerful when they said it in the yeah. in the documentary. And oh man. And then so they did Flint, Michigan, and then they did Lagos, Nigeria. And Lagos, Nigeria, there's a Nestle plant there as well. It's the biggest one in Africa, I believe. And the, them sucking the water out of the ground in Nigeria has completely decimated all the water in the area, right? They won't. They don't let the water tables fill up again, no. which is crazy. So all these people who already didn't have that much water now have very, almost no water, yeah. and they have to buy water bottles from Nestle, <laughs> the same water that they used to get from the ground, yeah. and it's like 10 minutes away. Ah, oh, it's bonkers. It, though I watch those and I get so mad, but then I think, okay, what can I actually do about this? No, probably nothing. Well, like, well, hold on, hold on. Don't buy water bottles. Yeah, it's that simple. Vote with your money. I I mean, I rarely buy water bottles as it is. I, the only time I ever really buy water bottles is maybe if I go camping, and then you're like, okay, well, just to be safe, I'll buy a a pad twelve pack of bottled water and yeah. just to have it right. In case, you know, you need water or something. Because if you're going camping, you don't necessarily know if you're going to have running water there or yeah. whatever. So. That's why those jug things are always really good. Yeah. The jugs, yes. Yeah, so you should just do the jugs. Yeah. I should do the jugs. Do the jugs. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Folks at home, if you're listening, do the jugs. Yeah. Just do it. And it's so interesting because this is a tangent again. So if you guys had anything else, just do it now. But, uh, you know, a lot of people, you know, you hear about something like, like Meatless Mondays that they're doing at schools, mm-hmm. which is... Terrible idea, but <laughs> vested interest. Well, yeah, I'm biased, but it's also true. Um, <laughs> I'm biased, <laughs> so it's true. <laughs> but you know, they they the way that 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 culture just decides that a food is we don't want to talk about that food, right? So I watched a bunch of the episodes of that show, and which is great, but essentially. Nobody really knows where any of their food comes from. It, it's it's the truth. Yeah, and nobody wants to. And nobody wants to. Yeah, that that that's been true for oh yeah. as long as so I've been long. around. People so say that no one wants to see how the sausage is made. No. Yeah. And the meat industry gets a bad rap because it's you know seen as terrible. But if you buy an avocado at the store, it probably to get to where it is now, 
it's probably been through worse things than any meat in that store. Because avocados, if it's, you know, folks, check your avocados next time you go to the store. If it's from Mexico, somebody probably died to give you that avocado. That's hyperbole, but they're basically all <laughs> run. A damn good avocado. <laughs> <laughs> but essentially, all the avocado farms in Mexico are run by the cartels. And they periodically just kidnap people whenever they feel like it to try and like get their avocado fields from other people. There is an ongoing war between towns in Mexico that are trying to fight the cartels. So they bordered up their cities and they like from their, uh, their avocado orchards and they're like trying to fight the cartels off from getting their avocados. It's nuts. Yeah. It's crazy. So I don't know. I just, yeah. You're here folks. Don't eat avocados. No, I'm not saying don't eat avocados. But um, but he is saying don't do meatless Mondays. Don't do meatless Mondays because taking one type of food and not eating that one for a day and not having no avocado day is silly. Well, I don't, I don't know. Isn't that kind of straw man-y a little bit? Yeah. But you take 100%. One... <laughs> no, but if you take one food, if you're eliminating one food from your diet for a day, you should... Be looking at every other food that you eat. But this day. this is for like elementary schools, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. So the majority of those kids are eating chicken nuggets. You think one day specifically set aside to not eat garbage chicken nuggets and instead have something mm. like a salad is that bad of an idea? I'm not one s- day. I'm not saying no to. I'm not saying. I wish I had more Caesar salad when I was in high school. <laughs> let me tell you. Oh, I love Caesar salad. <laughs> Too many chicken nuggets. I agree with you. I agree that we should not eat garbage chicken nuggets because who knows if it's chicken and who knows if it's exactly but um yeah no if let's not let's just have a no don't eat garbage food day (laughs) that's not gonna happen either well then why do we have meat this monday because someone else someone else just like you is gonna be on the box being how dare they get rid of garbage food one day a week (laughs) (sighs) somebody who has a vested interest in selling garbage food absolutely Exactly. Ronaldo McDonald, though. Ronaldo. <laughs> it's, all, it's all automized. Look, I, I don't, we don't have to go into it because I'm, I could yell about, about this for a while. So, just, I don't know. Folks, just think about where your food comes from. It's not that hard. I mean, it is sometimes. And you just, sometimes you don't want to think about it. You just want to buy your groceries and get out. But next time you pick up an avocado or a lemon or a bag of Reese's Pieces... Where did that come from? Reese's Pieces is not a sponsor. That's it. That's all I got. Oh, man. Do you guys want to talk about some more cows? <laughs> we haven't actually talked about cows yet, but okay. Disperse amongst yourselves. <laughs> that's not the word. Disperse? That's, that's, that's not the right word either. Sorry, I'm just trying to automize this podcast a little bit. Okay. Um... So the most recent documentary that I watched. Was oh, <laughs> yeah, you did ask both of us a question, so and then sorry. you got on a rant about meatless Mondays. Ah, uh, I'm so good at that. Uh, was also one actually about uh, like town water. I, I, I'm struggling to remember what the town was, and one of you might know it from when I describe it. Um, they basically have uh natural gas coming through their water whoa to the point that uh the people i forget who it was specifically that knew but like there was there were people that knew and didn't tell anybody 
until it became such a huge problem. And to the when it finally became known, because it was literally poisoning people, um, the warnings that they gave out to the community was like obviously like you know use bottled water, all this kind of thing. Like be aware that our water is not usable, even though you've been using it for a long time. But like they were even telling like parents keep your kids off the grass because the grass was uh, is watered yeah. by the town water and the kid your kids can get sick just from contacting the grass it was wow. su- it was super scary they had like they talked to like some parents and they're, they're like how you're telling us to keep our kids off the grass so keep them from going outside but they're not safe inside with like you know uh you know, taps and sinks and, yeah. and showers and all that kind of stuff. It's so wow. just having to stand on the road. <laughs> Basically, it was super Jeez. scary. Yeah, that's crazy. Sorry, where was this? Did you say? I'm trying to remember the name of the documentary or even the town that it was happening in, and I can't. Yeah, I'm coming up with a blank. But I can try to find it while Russell talks it, about it. Uh, it was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, just See, another example of like uh, you know poison poison town water and. Uh, and people that people that are in the know not taking responsibility and not and not owning oh. up to it until it's too late. You want it, that l- literally corresponds so well into the, the news story that I want to talk about. About cows? Yeah. Holy guacamole. Wow, what a segue. Thanks for asking me about my documentary. Well, I'm glad I could <laughs> fill, fill into uh, into your cows. Oh, Mike, you're a valued T- member of this team. Tell me about your cows. <sighs> okay. Folks, this is going to wow you, okay? But it's also I mean, it's nothing new. It's just government nonsense. The headline is, and this is what got me, Air Force Pollution Forces New Mexico Dairy to Euthanize 3,665 Cows. I read this a couple of weeks ago, and it is crazy. Okay, it's it doesn't sound like it should be le- real or legal or any of that, but it totally is. The government is crazy. Wild. Uh, so, <clears throat> Art Schapp, owner of Highland Dairy in Clovis, New Mexico, has been living a nightmare for the past four years. Fortunately, it sounds like the nightmare might soon be reaching its end. In 2018, uh, Schapp, the farmer, uh, got word that most of his wells that he had, because that's where you do down there, you just dig big wells for your, dare, for your dairy, uh, most of his, the vast majority of his water that his cows drink, that he uses for everything else, that he drinks everything, have been contaminated by toxins called mm, (laughs) polyfluoroalkyl substances, PFAs. These toxic chemicals enter the groundwater after aqueous film-forming foam. Say that seven times fast. (laughs) A substance used to smother flames in fire training exercises, which were used at the nearby Air Force Base. So just the stuff, not even real fires, it's just the the stuff they use for practicing putting out fires. It leaches into the ground, Mm. poisons all the water in the surrounding area. Then the cows drink that water. The cows drink the water. And that makes it into, (laughs) guess what? The milk. So since that time, since 2018, when they actually started thinking about, hey, maybe this stuff might poison the ground, uh, the, the dairy farmer has um he he's not able to ship his milk he's not able to get sell his cows because any cow that he sells can't go for beef because it's quote-unquote toxic he can't ship the milk because it's toxic milk 
So he basically has, for years, has just been milking the same cows over and over every day. Because you have to milk your cows every day, folks. That's just how it works. Or else they get sick and die. And so, and he just dumps it down the drain every day. Mm. Because it's toxic milk. Yeah. So, and he's like, well, what do we do? He's like, I have no answers. So the government, the airport, the Air Force reported its findings to the New Mexico Environmental Department, but not to the people living nearby. So in 2017, they did a big contamination study, and they did a bunch of research into the, whether they're poisoning the ground. Turns out they were, but they didn't tell anybody. Um, they didn't tell anybody, or they didn't know? They told the New Mexico Environmental Department. Hold on, I'll just read it for you. A 2017 inspection by the Air Force scientists found contamination near the Scap Dairy, an inspection that came eight years after the Air Force identified the need for such an inspection. So then the Air Force reported its findings to the New Mexico Environmental Department, but not to the people living nearby. Mm, Okay, gotcha. So when the Air Force finally tested the water in 2018, it was found to be so polluted that the military immediately began delivering bottled water to their family's home. Uh, It tested 12,000 parts per trillion, or 171 times the recommended amount. Hmm. Which see, I, That's a lot, I assume. That's a lot. Uh, it's potentially been in the groundwater the entire time that the dairy has been in operation. Which is crazy. Etc, uh, etc. Et Basically, everything... The milk is deemed unsafe. They, were, they are forced to dump 15,000 gallons of milk every day. Which is... That's a lot of milk. 15,000? A, a lot. Wow. And... Basically, this farmer says, this has poisoned everything I've worked for and everything I care about. I can't sell milk. I can't sell beef cows. I can't sell anything. I can't sell the crops that I grow because that's also toxic. And the Air Force knew the entire time. Uh, The article goes on to say that basically they're not legally responsible and they're not going to do anything for them. So he has, since this article has come out, he has had to euthanize all of his cows. He cannot grow crops, and he's out of business. Wow. Jeez. Is that, you want to talk about government nonsense? I mean, there's a 100% a lawsuit there. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Although, it sounds like technically the lawsuit would be against the government not the base against the envi- like the New Mexico environmental yeah because yeah. they knew and then didn't tell anybody exactly. because by the sound like even well, though, that's their whole job well like that's the thing like it sounds like the base did do this I mean eight years take a, that's a long time to do this not to, not to do the survey but once they do it like that's who they were supposed to report to even though it'd be nice if they told the community but like that's who they're supposed to report to yeah and then they're supposed to do everything else after that yeah so yeah that's that's pretty shady and Mm -hmm. that definitely sounds like there's a a potential lawsuit that he has oh yeah yeah if it's in his entire livelihood i don't see why he couldn't go after for damages yeah Yeah. i'm sure that that's in the works but the article just at the time of the article which is uh which was in may i believe yeah late may this came out um they there wasn't it seemed like there wasn't any avenue that they could the department of defense was not helping them right right they weren't actively like oh they didn't apologize they didn't do any of this stuff yeah. they just they they were trying to keep it hush hush so huh. it's 
Yeah. Yeah. So the animals have been euthanized. There is a disposal plan in place, et cetera, et cetera. And yeah, they, the government has not come out forward with, you know, assisting with any of the costs, any of that. So I don't know. I'll keep an eye on it. Like, so sorry, it was reported to the New Mexican government. Is it in New New Mexico then? Yes. Yes. In the States. Okay. I wasn't sure. New Mexico is in the States. I know, but like, anyway. It's in the, yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, The state environmental department says it has allocated $850,000 of its hazardous waste emergency waste for cleanup of the carcasses and associated waste. They say waste a lot in this paragraph. Um, The department estimates it has already spent over $6 million to protect uh, nearby communities from these chemicals, PFAs. Six million is not a lot, to be honest. No, it's not. honest. No. Well, that's that's about the estimate of what the farmer lost. He's at roughly about five to six million in sure, loss. Sure, yeah, but yeah. like none of that money sounds like it went to him. So. Yeah. That's that's not a lot to, considering the gravity of the situation. Yeah. To spend on cleanup. Yeah. yeah. So I, I'll keep it. I'll keep updated on the situation. I don't know how quickly it moves, but I'm sure there'll be some kind of lawsuit and maybe a class action of some kind against those guys because there's a bunch of other people that lived in the area. Right? Yeah, for the yeah, city. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I'm sure they're working on it. Yeah, we can only hope. We can only hope. Yeah. It's just, you know, you hear, you know, some things just seem to be going well, and then like, ah, oh, you know what, some, you know, people are finally starting to, you know, clean up their act, and, you know, we don't have all that, you know, stuff from the 60s where they just, you know, dump chemicals wherever they want, and it's like, no, you know what, actually, it still happens. Yeah. It still happens, which is a real issue, but, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the human race isn't perfect. We're still working out the kinks. Ain't that the truth. And the population's only growing. Yep, so we're only going to get more kinky. Yeah, it's true. You think so? That we're going to get more kinky? Well, no, I was just me being uh, clever, but uh, it didn't work. But, um, you know, do we think that with the increase in people, you'll have more... Uh, I guess problems or do you think that we will have more people that will be beneficial well I, I think we just solve the problems as they come but I mean with more people comes more problems that's there's more a song people, about more that problems. yep yeah that's true that's yeah. true I don't know I also don't know uh you know what let's uh you got any media suggestions this week Mike ooh that's a good one um we can start with Zach, since I know he always has one in the, uh, in the, what's the, in the chamber. In the chamber. In the chamber. You always got one um, in the chamber. Yeah, I can show something out. I, uh, I sent it to you guys a couple weeks ago, uh, and I've been listening to it a lot more, uh, through Ooh. this last week. Is it the new, uh, uh, the weekend album? Uh, no. FM? No, I already shouted that out one week. I know, but yeah. you just keep talking about it. Yeah. I haven't talked about it in a while. Yeah, it seems like it too. Okay. Know. Maybe it's right. me, uh, portraying yeah. it on yourself. Yeah, I've been listening to a lot of Weekend and Fleetwood Mac lately. Oh, wow, yeah. that's an interesting mix. That is a gamut. Yeah. It's a wide gamut. Yeah, uh, but no, I sent it to you guys a little while ago. Uh, the it's a mimic podcast. Uh, it's a 
D&D podcast, uh, kind of like a, like we were talking about, like a DM roundtable. So they go through, they talk about world building, they talk about lore, they talk about, uh, like they break down all the classes, races and stuff. So uh, if you've listened to this podcast, you know that uh, the three of us play D&D pretty frequently with each other. Dungeons and Dragons. That's correct. That's what um, the D's stand for. And they're actually... Uh, TTRPGs. <laughs> TTRPGs, that's right. Uh, they're based out of Vancouver. So they're uh, oh, oh, really? local. Yeah. Sorry, what's it called? It's a mimic. It's a mimic. Yeah, well, I hadn't checked it out yet, but I think yeah. I will. Yeah, That's it's fun. a it's a really good podcast. It's a if, group, of, um, group of funny guys. If it's a mimic podcast, people are listening, <laughs> or if you know them, uh, shout out to you guys, and uh, we'd love to have you on the show. Yeah. I was going to try to reach out to them and see if one or a few of them wanted to come on the show. We are always taking guests. Yeah. Um, we have a long lineup for you guys, and it's exciting <laughs> to see what what's we got going, but. Definitely can uh, fill that void. You know, we've got lots of space. We have lots of guests, but also lots of space. So, <laughs> hey, so you know wrap your head around that. It's a mimic podcast. And if you're interested, you can always email us at themodernrusticpodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on the socials. Mike, what do you got? Uh, I mean, you were sick for two weeks. You must have watched some. Oh, some yeah, I consumed uh, some stuff, but I don't know if anything was really that good. <laughs> That seems like an awful waste of time, then. Well, yeah. What are, what are you gonna do when you're sick and you're it's sleep or watch bad media? Um, I've been rewatching a lot of like sci-fi shows. I found a, I have a, oh. a stream that I found that just kind of airs like cycles through mm. some sci-fi shows. So I was rewatching Farscape. Farscape, what's that? It is a science fiction show that was done by the Jim Henson Production Company in early 2000s that's the puppet guy right yeah so like a lot of practical effects mm. for like aliens and things it's actually really good it's super creative and the story's very like not atypical mm. uh, a quick synopsis it's a, about an astronaut who gets shot through a wormhole by mistake far side of the galaxy and he's the only human on that side of the galaxy uh, and gets stuck aboard a uh, a living mechanical ship uh, full of escaped prisoners because it's a prison ship. Fun. And then he's hunted by uh, this like galactic uh, empire who that wants him because they think he knows how to use wormholes. Mm. It's actually really good. It's a it's, comedy it, or no? It's it's like a drama. Oh okay. It's uh it's really complex story, but it's. It's written in such a great way. Like I've watched Farscape probably maybe three or four times the whole way through. Wow, it's real good. It didn't yeah. run for very long, right? It ran for like three or four years, and then they okay. did a then they did like a movie to wrap it up. Yeah, at oh, the end. fun. I love it when they do the movies. It was really good. It doesn't happen anymore. Their characters are great. The acting is really good. It's so creative, like because it's Jim Henson, so they have like a lot of puppets and animatronics and. Mm. Pretty much everything in that show is practical, except for like you know like space scenes. Mm. But, you know, but like it's so good, it's amazing. That's awesome. I like that. I love going back to those kind of niche, a little bit out there shows that not really everybody watched when they first came out, and then realizing that this is fantastic. You know, I don't know how popular that was when it came out. I mean, it had a pretty big fan base. This but, is what uh, an eighties show, or no? This was like early two thousands. Oh, okay. Maybe late nineties, but like early two thousands anyway. It was really good. I really enjoyed it. And yeah, I've watched it, like I said, at least two or three times. Awesome. I'm probably going to check it out now. And also whatever you suggested, Zach. Yeah. Music, no, the Mimic podcast. Yeah, the Weekend album. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know why. I keep... 
Uh, let's see, what do I got? Um, uh, you know what, folks? Check out, uh, since we're on the topic of documentaries earlier, I will just shout out my, one of my favorite documentaries. It is called The Sacred Cow, uh, created by Dana, Diana Rogers. Uh, fantastic look at the why we should eat meat, basically, and why the, the better argument, the argument for better meat is the tagline, I believe. I have the book, phenomenal book. Uh, it just kind of answers a lot of questions that you might have when you're thinking, oh, is meat really good for you? Or, you know, should I eat as much meat? Or where does it come from? Or what are the the environmental impacts? And, you know, is, do you really get the actual news when people tell you stuff? Probably not. But, yeah, it just breaks it down, and it's really interesting and beautifully shot. And uh, if you don't want to waste time reading the book, then you can just watch the documentary. That's about it. Um, anything else? I got nothing. Nope. I got nothing. Awesome. I think that's about wraps it up for this week, folks. We hope that you enjoyed this latest episode of The Modern Rustic with your three favorite co-hosts, and we hope to see you next time. Uh, over and out. Oh, wait, I have one more thing. What's that? I'm just joking. I don't know. Uh... <laughs>